one way in which we can um, understand dukkha is this uh, common denominator of a kind of a turbulence unsteadiness that sometimes gets quite intense sometimes is minimal a shifty, dreamy unsteady state where it can get quite anxious or panicky or disoriented and then along with that come kind of clenching to hold on you know we tighten up around something either a view, an opinion uh, sense object some kind Uh, when things feel a bit rocky we look for certainty in something you know what day it is or what I'm supposed to do or <laughs> you know or what more intense things and this can be um, you know to states of extreme anxiety or, or whatever um, and you get this kind of clamping and then there's along with that we, you get different effects where they get seize up or feel kind of frustrated and tight or the mind kind of dulls out because the clamping, tightening, restricts the energy. So you get this kind of cycle. If you if you hold on, it goes wrong. If you don't hold on, it goes wrong. Um, you know, if you don't hold on, you feel completely at sea. If you do hold on, you feel tight and weird. So, <laughs> uh, and um, this is sankara as an energetic. Sankara is uh, formative patterns, formative processes, formative programs. They're both formed and formative. Just as a, um, you know, a river or a stream will tend to create a pattern, you know, by the way it carves its current, it carves its valley, then that pattern becomes a fixed thing. You know, this river is always dynamic. It can flood, it can change. Um, so it's both it's both formed and formative. Mm. These kind of programs. These programs are not not certainly not something we deliberately decide upon. Sometimes some of them we do. Some of them are much more instinctive. Some of them we don't even really recognise. And the bottom line is this kind of involuntary level of um, disorientation and and holding on. Mm. Uh, which is which is involuntary, you know. Any time you feel out, if your body feels out of balance, you automatically kind of, you know, unless you're really trained, you automatically kind of tighten up. It's not it's not a personal, you know, phobia. It's just a natural thing that happens. Mm. But when we come round to the mental formations or the emotional, the emotive formations, Chitta Sankara, this is actually quite, uh, this, this system works, is very uh, harmful. Mm. Yeah. Because every time we tighten up, we, we lose some awareness. You know, so you become less sensitive. That's the tight, as you tight, when you're tightening up, you're not trying to be sensitive, you're trying to stop being sensitive, you kind of clamp down. So you lose the sensitivity, you lose the flow. The awareness is much more constricted. And in that um, constriction of awareness, uh, one can be uh, defensive or tense or grumpy or 
sad, you know, you get these tight, constricted emotional patterns, emotive patterns occur. So the mind gets either dull or uh, hard, harsh, or unforgiving, um, unfeeling, you know, it loses that. So this, this is really, you really, really see the kind of suffering of that, the stress of all that. Hmm. And this, because these sankaras are energetic, you know, one thing I try to recommend is actually having a uh, kind of approach to practice that gets in touch with energies. And you realize the body energy and the mental energy and the speech energy are all connected. So if your thinking mind is racing 19 to the dozen, then you're trying to think what's happening in your heart, you know. Are you, are you are you sort of uh, anxious or excited or what is it? What's happening? And then, okay, you know, can you feel that in your body? It's a very kind of simple system, really. You go from the thought to the emotion to the body. You feel it in your body. Feel kind of fluttering in your throat or fluttering in your chest or something. It's not something to get any kind of rights and wrongs about. It's just is this. Uh, um, stressful or not. And what tends to happen is, is that, that um, you know, e- even stuff that seems quite positive in a way, like being a bit excited and happy-go-lucky, it, sometimes you, mean, you lose bits of yourself. You lose it. That is, you've got a lot of energy up in your head or in your heart, but you've lost, say, the, the, the belly and the legs. You know, you're ungrounded. And so, so the sense of the whole energetic pattern is lost because of a, an imbalance of energy. It's not right or wrong, it's just imbalanced. And it's, um, so, you know, the aim is balance, where you, you have the whole energetic pattern, the whole energetic process kind of opened and in touch with its, the whole thing. You're not losing bits of it. That makes you more steady. It doesn't make you unreceptive or unfeeling, you're just steady. You know, you've got some, you've got a keel underneath your boat, that's all. You, and you're not restricting anything. You know, you've got the whole, whole of it. And that's, I would say, that's a kind of very simple blueprint for the reference to fundamental sanity or fundamental health. Mm fundamental clarity, fundamental strength, fundamental love, because in that you feel quite sensitive, open, good-humoured, benevolent, because, it, you know, loving kindness and such is not really something that you, know, you have to kind of make a big effort to do, so much as, because it's a natural quality of an unrestricted heart, it's uncramped, free from tension, measureless, and then it's naturally, it's open, and it's, there's, a, there's a, we are warm-hearted beings. When we lose that, then something is going adrift, something's not there. And uh, however, whichever approach you have with that, I would suggest that certainly one big thing to look at is, is the wholeness of your energy. You know, do you, and you can feel it in your body. Whether the whole thing is there, whether you feel slightly held in your belly, or 
um, slightly absent in your chest, you don't have a chest, you've got a hole there or your throat's not there. So you, there's particular areas, uh, um, the area from the, roughly speaking, the, the waist down or the lower abdomen, which is a kind of very soft flowing place, or it should be. You know, the belly should be able to be loose and moving. And this is a kind of watery quality. Then you have the area from the uh, from the navel up to the ribs, which is the midriff, which is a muscle place where the diaphragm is, which is quite a very firm, should be firm. Something you try to keep um, the whole abdominal area open. So there's a tendency to kind of collapse and hinge and, and compress it. So you keep that open to try to have these two places unrestricted. Mm. And then there's the chest itself centering around the heart. Yeah. So if the center of the back is pulled in and your chest opens, then this area of your body feels very expansive. This is air. You have air and then midriff is earth and the lower abdomen is water. And then the throat. Don't forget the throat. You know, it's not just a head rammed on top of some uh, a body. The throat is space. It's supposed to just allow things to pass through it. Sometimes when we feel, um, or you, when we feel very difficult times, you feel choked up. You can't speak. You feel throttled. And you understand what the language is pointing to a particular common sense that we have. You know, when we lose our throat. Uh, if you're repressed or you can't say things or you, you feel choked or you literally the language actually echoes the sense of that so as your throat open and the air move freely over that if it doesn't can you imagine you know what it feels like to have this kind of tightness there imagine it like a scarf and you just keep unwrapping it and allowing the the uh, uh, the mouth, the floor of the mouth to to loosen, the jaw to loosen, so you keep your, your throat open, space. And this is often, um, you know, we, we tend to get filled spaces. We know can get filled with these thoughts. And why the the vajisankara or verbal formations a useful way to regard thought is that there's a kind of a tightening in the vo- vocal box that occurs with a lot of thinking. If you really, really deeply loosen it, your thinking, it's difficult to, to get a lot of, you know, thinking going because it's associated with coming into speech. So if you kind of deliberately relax some of these places, you, you get the effects and you open the chest, you get the effects, you feel a bit more positive, a bit more here. You let your your breathing move through the abdomen and the the diaphragm. You feel that you've actually got some, you feel grounded. 
It's these areas that enable you to have sense you've got your little bit of space and, you know, you're steady there. The last area is, of course, the head, which um, particularly centered around the forehead, what they call the third eye. This is associated with light or fire. It's a bright kind of energy. And uh, again, here you recognize how the jaw tightens or the eyes are held, kind of slightly squinting or tensed up, or the, or the forehead tends to knot or clamp, or the temples feel held. Sometimes it feels like you've got a bandage around your head or a helmet on. And again, particularly with a lot of thinking, your eyes will get, your eye sockets tend to be slightly contracted around the eyes of the forehead. If you really, really loosen up there, again, the, the thinking process tends to quieten down. Thinking process is not the only problem, but it's a good indicator because you can see it quite, quite, quite easily. So if we sometimes just focusing on these places whether they're all present, whether they're withheld, whether they're either uh, withheld in a kind of contracted way or just numbed or seemingly absent. Mm -hmm. If they are in difficulty, then you try to find the place which is which is good. There's no difficulty. You know. So if your throat is tight, then you say, "How do you feel in your forehead?" You get the feeling of that, and you spread your awareness from the good place through to the difficult to the edge of the good of the difficult place, just to the edge of it, as if you're like standing beside that, saying, "Hey, it's it's okay here." And why breathing I find very useful because breathing will tend to, its energy will tend to flow through all of these centers, all of these places. You know, obviously the air doesn't, but the energy does. You know, if you take a, a very full, deep in-breath, then you should. You know, if you feel something, even a ting, tingling in your forehead, in your, in your temples, it's got a sharpening quality. Mm. If all these are open now, the, the obviously they're not always that way, mm. and um, in my experience, uh, personally and with being in sangha, then you know, quite a few people have considerable difficulties, blocks, you know, um, areas where they just uh, are all absent, you know. For just the hole there, or very withheld, tight. Now, one thing about um, working with all this, and uh, also meditation, also concentration, um, is there is a, a common fallacy, I believe. 
about meditation and concentration, which goes right it, it, it uh, goes right into the weak point and emphasizes it. <laughs> and it's this this phenomenon called one pointedness. You know, just hold to one point. Because that is exactly what sankharas do that screws you up. You know, the, the basic sankhara becoming is a view. It's a very pervasive view that says, find the thing, get the point, get the bit. Hmm? Get the one bit, get the point. Uh, and we do that, I guess, you know, conventionally speaking. You know, a lot of our life is just uh, finding points. Day, time, dress, you know, identity, place, position, role, function. You know, it's it's that's 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 the that's the business of becoming. And then future points, and then future points for people who aren't here. Then optional future points of people who aren't here. Then possible difficulties about some of those options of people who aren't here yet. <laughs> you know, and get it, get it, get it nice, get it down on paper, get it fixed, you know. And this is the way to, to certain forms of madness. <laughs> Good organization. <laughs> and you know what happens with that? You might go whirls around, kind of, because you've got to get it right. <laughs> And just as you're getting it right, suddenly one of those possibles doesn't occur, and three other probables do occur, and suddenly the whole shooting match goes up again. And well, it's, all, you know. <laughs> it's called Sangha business. <laughs> and on the day, everything changes anyway. <laughs> and if you're used to this kind of thing, you kind of you realise you take this stuff with a considerable pinches of salt and well, yeah, but we'll see. Mm. You know, you can play these things. But, you know, seriously, when it comes down to one's own um, process and practice, you know, it's it's this this getting the point is uh, um, very much a problem. You know, and it's based on that kind of, what does a point mean? This standpoint, stable place, itself. It's, it's, uh, we don't go around thinking, I am me, this is mine, I am self. You know, nobody's that pathological yet. <laughs> so what self you mean? Is it, you're not reciting me, mine, self all the time. This is my body. You know, of course it's your body. <laughs> you don't need to keep telling yourself that. But it's, a, it's a feeling, it's a kind of, it's a it's a view, and it's such a strong, common view that we, it's like you know, it's a perspective that's there. Of, you know, there's this central bit called me, and there's other things there, you know, and there's a kind of center of the universe, my universe, and there's all what's around it, and I accept that you probably have a center of your universe, and so on. Mine is right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get round to that sooner or later. <laughs> 
So we don't go around saying self, we say, well, you know, the right view, the right way to do things is, it's my way. <laughs> it's the way that I feel comfortable, steady, or stable. And of course, communities are great learning uh, experiences in this degree, isn't it? You know, you listen to the jaw dropping and what other people think is kind of normal or <laughs> what? <laughs> but okay, you can, all right, fine. That's just life out there. But really, my practice, you know, we know I'm going to get my point. If I can't get it out there, I'm going to get it in here. You know, the samadhi. Get the whole, you know, get the point in samadhi. So, you try and do that, what happens? You know, why is meditation such a failure in, many, in certain respects? Why many people say, oh, I just forget it, Samadhi, forget it. I can't, I'm not going to bother with it. It just drives me nuts. I can't stand it. I'm just going to sit here and be with myself and fine, you know. Oh, that's called practicing Samadhi. <laughs> it doesn't mean getting a point. It means getting steady, getting stable. You realize to do that, you have to actually, you may, you may take a point, just almost like a, tune, like a tuning fork, you know, dong, you hit the sound, right, got it? Right, you got the sound? That's the sound, you know? You hit that fork, and now you listen for, you listen for C, where you can hear it in the normal flow of things. You pick up that C. So maybe you, you, you kind of, you're tuned with certain vibrancy or a certain quality. You could say that's a point, but it's not actually a physical point, and it's 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 a it's a tone, if you like, that you arrive at through unconstricting the mind. You know, through un- coming out of the patterns, unconstricting the mind, you arrive at it through unconstricting the body, opening the body. You arrive at it through unconstricting the heart. You know? You arrive at it by letting go of some of those get there, got to do it, got to make it, not doing patterns into just moment of the time. What is, what is, here we are, breathing in, breathing out. You know, things like this. And even though, you know, I think probably this is not an unusual refrain, still, because of um, somatic difficulties, the mind will kind of, you know, you get it intellectually, but somehow there's something still trying to hold or feels disoriented with that kind of openness, you know. So, okay, no, no, nothing to get, nowhere to go, we open up, and then we just feel sort of, you know, warm, winds blowing through, rain blowing through, disoriented, spacey, and we feel a bit um, unhappy with that, unsteady with that, so, you know. So it's not just a kind of a naive openness, it's a tuning in to clarity, to warmth, to uncontractedness as, the, as a tone, you know, when your body feels bright. Mm-hmm. And like coming out of difficulty, almost certainly you don't just suddenly feel bright. You have to, you experience the bruises and the tightness and why it's tight why it's defended, why it's ungrounded. And that's difficult. You know, the kind of fear, uncertainty, loss, frustration, these kinds of emotional experiences. 
the, how the, come the body tightens up in the first place. I think it's left like that. The mind and the body, the heart and the body are interrelated. So, you know, yeah, you do it in the body, but you can't just do it in your body. You've got to also get that quality of, of all around kindness, compassion, equanimity, appreciative joy. You know? And if you can't find it in your body, you, you, you find it in where the people around you. You find it in walking in the forest. You find it in appreciating other people. You pick up the tone wherever you can find it. You know why sometimes I kind of wish the word meditation would be rubbed out of the Buddhist dictionary. They talk about cultivating the bright, cultivating the right tone, and then rather than concentration, um, composing, collecting, gathering, distilling, tuning in, settling into the right tone, Mm, the bright tone, and filling yourself with it. Then the mind settles. That's what we call one-pointed. It settles, it's settled in its contentment, that's one-pointed. It's settled in its ease, that's one-pointed. Don't worry about getting one-pointed. You know, that will happen by itself. The Buddha says it takes no intention. If the mind is happy, it naturally, it naturally comes to one-pointedness. You know, don't do that. Or if you are doing that, try to understand and overhaul why, why your system does that, why it needs to do that. And it's not a trivial matter, you know. Insecurity, instability is, is absolutely fundamental you know, to, to, to life, you know, to the conditioned life. Because we're in a world of change, variety, where there's threat and danger and possibility of rewards. So, you know, you, you're kind of, you're with things that are moving and changing. And your system is always kind of riding this, riding that. So it's, it's naturally like that. And something you're saying, well, but you want to make sure you've got the right, the okay place. And you don't find it here. That's why to the you know, stability you have to kind of generate it carefully in your own, your own body, your own heart. Then you settle and you've kind of brought all the sankara patterns together by that into a harmonious tune where it's not snagging and pulling and dropping out and falling apart. Then, you know, as you're doing that, you have already developed insight into understanding some of these patterns, how they happen. Then you start to develop the insight that actually deconstructs the fundamental mythology of self-view, that is of me having something, me being somewhere, me getting it, me, you know, that kind of looking for a centre. But that, you know, is not going to happen until there is this sense of um, a field, a field, a a, a sphere, which is what the the experience is of something you can just kind of ride in. 
then you start, you know, letting go with that. So, you know, what I, I would say you kind of, your 90% of the practice is about just getting to feel good. Period. In doing that, you will have awoken considerably by just that much. You know, you'll have awoken out of the perpetuating the calamity of samsara as an occupation. (laughs) (laughs) So as we you know, as you focus in, in, in the body, in the mind, you know, in your life, it's sense of relationship is so important. It's not just the one thing. It's how, how does this affect that? How does this affect that? With the arising of this, how is that? If this is difficult, where is it easy? If this is easy, where is it difficult? You know, how do you blend? How do you find harmony? Uh, so it's... it's you know, the very beginnings of meditation or this dreadful experience <laughs> is, about, you know, deliberately bringing things to mind, recollecting, taking refuge, and then, you know, being able to, how is this? How is that? Just that vitaka vichara pointing, how is this? How is that? How is that? Just like, you know, you're, you're balancing something and something, is that right? No, wait a minute. Is that? Yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah. You know, there's that touching it, bringing it to mind, and feeling it. And you, you don't want to just do this. You may start with a particular, you know, theme, such as you know, particular place in your body. But you really don't want to just. You want to actually get over the whole thing. And um, avoid. The tendency to which again besets um, samadhi or way people approach samadhi is you get to a, uh, a place with some strength or some energy and you just plunge into it. It's kind of boom. You let go into a strong place. Um, because often um, some of the most uh, deeply afflictive patterns we have have got plenty of strength in them. So you don't want to just keep re, recycling by, by meditating, just going back to your damage, back to your tension, back to your, your obsession pattern, and just plunge in there again and again and again five times a day. Call it meditation. <laughs> so if you, if you just keep getting pulled into this, you come out, snap out of it. Don't meditate, don't do that. It's not, you know, you do so much lighter, more holistic, more overall. Don't go plunging into your into your into your wounds, your darkness, your black holes. Your with a feeling of you're getting there and sorted out. You don't get in there and sort it out. It sorts you out, and it, you know, it just it's like. 
it's an octopus. These things have got plenty of juice in them. You know, they may have been going around there for years, millennia, lifetimes, who knows. And they're not voluntary. They're involuntary reflexes. You try and you try and come out of a reflex, you know, by some deliberate process. You don't, you know, you still get that reflex. So when you're getting into reflexive, involuntary experiences, hmm, then you're out of your depths. You come back to something you can deliberately focus on, put aside, come back to, you know, because those these involuntary, they don't take you through the portals of the deathless. They take you generally into some strung out space or closed down space. There's a kind of quality of, of lightness that you can attune to, you know, just like a skilled musician. You can stay with that. The skills of samadhi are you can enter it, you can investigate it, you can master it, and you can leave it. If you don't have that ability to steal, then this is not samadhi. It's, um, it's a fixation. And some of these experiences, because they may be deep, we think deep is good. No, deep is deep. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it doesn't mean deep is wonderful, transcendent. It just means deep is deep. You could be in a deep hole. <laughs> but because it's like your normal personality doesn't feel like, oh, this must be something special. It is special. It's a special problem. Um... So, you know, there's nothing wrong with being suit surface, um, you know. And we get energies, very interesting stuff. So you get sort of these powerful surging energies. There's something very uh, mesmerizing about that. But so that's part of the sense in which you learn how to get your skills in moderating it. And the Buddha pragmatist uses that simile the mountain cow, you know, who always got four feet on the ground, the, the, the clever mountain cow. <laughs> and she doesn't take four feet off, she takes one foot off the ground at a time, she sticks that foot forward, she puts that foot down, and she makes sure that foot's on some solid ground before she lifts another foot. <laughs> You know, that's how she gets around. He said, this is a simile for someone who practices samadhi. Is that right? Okay. It's like that. But of course, it's not that calculating a process. It's a sensitive process. And if you, you know, if you find yourself gathering a particular point, then my advice is try to always, you know, spread from any particular place to the whole, the whole system. And so the, the mind, if it goes blank or numb, or, or then this isn't appropriate. You come to a place of ease.
so that we can't meditate. Mm. Experience. Just consider, you know, is, is there, what do you do with this? You develop a faculty of mindfulness. You develop a faculty of recollection. You develop the experience of, of um, kindness, generosity. Mm. You have four postures to move around in. Mm. There's scope there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's finding, don't go out, you don't go out of your depth. You stay in your, in your domain. The Buddha said, this is the safe place, the four foundations of mindfulness. This is the safe domain where the hawk of Mara doesn't, doesn't snatch you. Mm. You stay there. Mm-hmm. And you, you get the whole body present. Whether it's standing, walking, sitting, reclining. That's the, that's the foundation. And just remember those kind of, you know, these terrible self-views that come, you, you know, not getting very far this great being sits for eight hours in unbroken samadhi and I can't do that or she's so perfect and I'm not you know these kinds of self-views of conceit conceiving yourself as something or other people as something mm. you know if that you can sense that that kind of nervous looking for the norm looking for the standpoint the standpoint is your own sense of balance, ease, fluency. And you won't find that at a particular place. You know, it's not a distraction where I'm, I feel fine as long as I'm kind of you know, sitting in my armchair reading me, drinking my cup of tea. Yeah, okay, but what about when you're not? <laughs> you, know, you develop it. So it's it's not just a, a cubby hole kind of experience. You want to, you know. and if you find it in a particular place, what faculties are present? What's absent? You know, the absence of uh, making comparisons, the absence of judgments, the absence of striving. You know, that conducive, you know, can you walk in that? Can you sit in that? Can you speak in that? Can you move in that? So you, you make that very broad base. And you begin to see those patterns that happen, often in daily life, the anxiety, the, uh, the nervousness, the shyness, the, the awkwardness, the intimidation experiences, the I've got to make or be or do experiences, the... Those kinds of things, you feel that that you don't those energies. You don't. You know, you're supposed to feel those energies. That's that's the accident that you're recovering from. Yeah. That's so that every time you you acknowledge those and you just come back to your steady presence, something is released, and you you get the theme of that. That's the theme. That's the theme of insight. On whatever base. Mm-hmm. 
but to be scrupulous, you, you just survey the whole system. Your head, your forehead, your temples, body sweeping, your throat, chest, belly. How do they feel? Are they lined up? Do they talk to each other? <laughs> 